Welcome to Badger Bigs, presented by the Varsity Collective, giving you inside access to some of the biggest figures in Wisconsin Badger athletics. Welcome to Badger Bigs, presented by the Varsity Collective, the only podcast that highlights the joy of iconic Madison landmarks and brings you in-depth conversations with some of the biggest Badgers of today and generations past about life as a supersized athlete in their sports on campus and beyond. I'm former Badger offensive lineman, Joe Thomas. And I'm former Badger women's basketball player, Annie Thomas. And for this podcast, we're proud to be partnering with the Varsity Collective, an NIL collective led and backed by University of Wisconsin alumni, former Badger student-athletes like us, and Badger fans everywhere. The Varsity Collective's mission is to support current Badger student-athletes on the field, in the community, and in life. And if you want to learn more and help support Badger student-athletes, then visit thevarsitycollective.com and register for the newsletter. Today, we're excited to welcome a special Badger student-athlete, Offensive lineman Jack Nelson to the podcast. And later on in the show, we'll also be joined by a true Badger big. Once upon a time, she was a Wisconsin pole vaulter, and her journey since has taken her to the TV screen on Bravo and to the world of veterinary medicine. Dr. Tara Clack-Bell is here to talk about everything from track and field to reality television and more. But for now, let's jump into our conversation with number 79 offensive lineman for the Badgers, Jack Nelson. Welcome to the Badger Bigs Podcast. I'm Joe Thomas. And I'm Annie Thomas. And I think before we get to our highly esteemed guests today, we wanted to have a conversation between just the two of us about our time in Madison and kind of preview today's show. So I'll kick it off to you, Annie. What's been on your mind and what should we chit-chat about here before we have our great guests? Well, when I was looking at the rundown and I saw that we have a former Badger track star on the list for today, I want to talk a little bit about when we first met. And you failed to mention that you were on the football team when we were first starting to to talk and you wanted my number and you referred to yourself as a track star. And so I don't know if a lot of people know that you did have a lucrative career for not only the Badgers, but in high school. And I remember we were going to dinner one night and we were holding hands and you let go of my hand and I turned around and you were in a full stance with the fake ball on your neck and you were about to- It's called to a shot put, no big deal. Shot put. Words matter. And you were trying to do a spin move in the parking lot, working on and perfecting your form for your throwing. Well, I did have a very lucrative high school and college track career, but I needed it to be able to afford the high dollar dates that you forced me to take you on in order to woo you. And to be fair, I was incognito as a track athlete. It was not totally changing the truth. It was just stretching it a little bit because occasionally some of the football guys may have had a bad reputation as the dating type around town. And I was certainly looking to be the dating type with you. So I feel like it was a white little lie that never hurt anybody. So hopefully you still don't hold that against me. But yes, I did love track and field. And that's actually how I got to meet our second guest of the podcast today, Tara Clack. She was a pole vaulter that was actually sticking around Wisconsin. She was in the veterinary program working to get her degree there. But also, she was a very highly accomplished track and field athlete, a pole vaulter that was training for the Olympics. And so that's kind of how our paths crossed, became a little bit of a friend there. But actually, since college, 
you've really became good friends with Tara, and she ended up marrying one of my teammates, Mark Bell. So maybe let everybody know a little bit about how you didn't know Tara in college, but you guys have become good friends after you guys left Wisconsin. Well, I know we talked about this with Butch on the last episode, but it's it's the once a badger, always a badger mentality. And I feel like the whole badger community is such a family. And we moved back to Wisconsin, and I had known a couple of the girls on the track team that played with you, Courtney Nuss. And they had just welcomed me into their little crew here back in Wisconsin. I actually just came back from a vacation with the wildest group of track girls that you'll ever meet. And now knowing them and knowing that Tara would throw herself over however high 15-foot bar, you have to be a little crazy in order to do that (laughs) sport. And these girls are. Yeah, it's interesting. So during my college career as a football player, like the football guys hung out together and occasionally we'd hang out with the hockey guys a little bit. But There wasn't a whole lot of carryover. We didn't have a lot of friends on the basketball team. Now, you and I ended up starting to hang out and then started dating because our sophomore year at Madison, I was living at the surf. You were living at some apartment across the street (laughs) on Mendota Court. I think Um, it was the other way around. I think yours was the the hole. Mine was All right, neither one of them were very nice. At least I had a view out over Lake Mendota. (laughs) And I could hear... I had a garbage can behind my window. Yeah, I could I could hear the music coming from the Memorial Union Terrace, which is everybody's favorite place on campus. But we started seeing each other because we'd just be driving back and forth in the summer on the way to workouts, on the way to class. And we started hanging out because of the proximity. And so that's how I started to get to know a lot of the basketball girls. And then some of the basketball guys I actually played with when I was in high school, Greg Stiesma, Brian Butch guys like that. So I I had a little bit of a relationship there, but who were some of the athletes that you guys on the women's basketball team hung out with outside of your sport? Well, I don't know if people realize how things are kind of divided up on campus, but the Kohl Center is the main hub for the women's basketball team, men's basketball team, and men's hockey. And we're in the same training room, ice baths, you know, if the ice is down, the guys are there, and we're trying to fight over the Nicholas Johnson Pavilion. So those were the main teams that we hung out and knew. But yeah, the the track girls, man, they were something else. I wish I would have known them in college. Uh, Not as crazy as offensive tackles. And we actually have our first (laughs) guest of the podcast here. We got the great Jack Nelson starting left tackle for the Wisconsin Badgers. Jack, thanks for being on the Badger Bigs podcast. Thanks for having me. Super excited. Jumping right into it. Now, this offseason will be a little bit different for you because you have a coaching change. We've talked about it a lot in the media. What are your thoughts and what are you most looking forward to getting back now with Coach Fickle? I'm just super excited to get it rolling. This is my first coaching change at O-Line. Obviously, we had one last year and that one was super sad just because, you know, you put in so much time with this one person and then you find out that things are changing. And so that was super emotional. But I think this one, since I've been through it before, it's not as emotional and just that readiness to get going. Super excited to get that coach in there and get all the guys together and really start putting something together there. After dealing with a coaching change one time, is it a little bit easier to handle that transition and that change now that you've actually dealt with it before? Because for me, the first time you you have a head coach that gets fired or that leaves or you have your offensive line coach, it's almost like losing somebody in your family, right? Oh, for sure. I tell you what, when we lost Coach Rudy, that was my first coaching change and he recruited me. It was, that really hit home. And then we had Coach Bo and that was awesome and start working with him, learning him, all his different stuff. And it, it was great. And then, you know, find out that he's got to move on too. And it's it's sad, absolutely. But you, you understand that you have good times with this coach, but then that new coach is going to come in and it's just going to restart. And, you know, it's a great opportunity to start over. 
Now you're in a unique situation because not only can you lean on your brother for support during this, but you can also talk to your dad. How has your family helped you through this transition? Yeah, my dad's been incredible because I mean, he had, I think he went through three head coaching changes himself. So he told me how to, it's going to be sad, but this isn't the end of the world because it really does feel like it's the end of the world. This guy that's been leading you and your team recruited you. You see him every day for the past three years and all of a sudden you're not going to see him anymore. And it really does feel like your world's falling apart. But my dad told us, you know, it's the long run, the boosters and the program and everyone, this is a decision that hasn't been made lightly and to trust the program that if they're that serious to start making serious changes like that after a couple of losses, he told me that should really make you feel good that you have a program that really aspires to be a dominant and productive program that they're willing to make changes like that. So, I mean, that, that kind of gave me some comfort knowing that we had the support of the program and everybody around us, the families. So that kind of helped, but that's yeah, just crazy. Cause you know, I would have never, have, if you would have told me that this is how my uh, career at UW would have gone, I would have been like, no way I'm going to be playing for three different coaches. N- not a chance. <laughs> yeah. It's just the way it goes. And like I said, it was sad. There was a lot of emotions, but as the emotions go, you got kind of get excited for the what's to come, what we can bring. So. Yeah. And what's to come is coach Fickle being installed as the head coach here. Now he's been around for a couple months, he's starting to get his feet under himself. He's starting to put that culture down. And certainly a lot of that is going to be this offseason when you guys start back towards the end of January. But what has been Coach Fickle's message since he got there? And has he kind of brought some clarity and stability into the minds of your teammates in the era of the transfer portal? So what has kind of been Coach Fickle's message thus far? When Coach Fickle first came in those first couple of days, he made an emphasis that it's the team isn't just one person, one coach, or one guy. It's all of us together, and we need to stick together and hitting that transfer. He asked for some blind faith. He asked to just kind of see it out for a little bit, and I think that was great. I think people just got to trust the process a little bit and give him a chance, and that's what he did. And then from such then on, he's kind of taken not really a, a huge role. He's been getting things going in the background, you know, trying to put together the staff, that kind of stuff, transfers and such, kind of let Coach Leonard finish the season out, which I thought was awesome because you, know, you can't just switch a whole coaching staff right in the middle of this. You know, we still had a couple games to play, or at least we just had the bowl game at least. So we, he was at practice. He would talk to the team. We'd be in team meetings and slowly but surely bringing his new coaching in. He really let Coach uh, Leonard finish the season out, which I thought was awesome. And so I'm really excited here to get back and really hit a full go here. I'm curious from a player's perspective. I know on the outside, a lot of Badger fans are excited about the players that Fick has brought in through the transfer portal already, specifically at the quarterback position. What's been the reaction among your buddies, your text groups, people in the locker room to some of the guys that he's brought in through the transfer portal? As far as the O-line, I know we're fired up. We just got Jake Renfro, me and Tanner Borlini and Sean Timmis. We got to take him on a visit. Super fun. Got to become close buddies with him. And now we're fired up. He's coming here. Tanner Mordecai, got to meet him a couple days ago on a visit. Super great guy. I mean, as far as the old line is, we're, we're fired up. And I got to assume that's the rest of the team. Everyone's really itching to get back here and really wait to see things take shape because it's super, super exciting. And I mean, Coach Fickle, especially with that bowl game, I mean, I remember he was giving us a little talk before the game and just the attitude and the fire and really gets fired up. It just really is intoxicating. Mm. I think that kind of spread to the rest of the team and everyone's just kind of on mm. the edge of their seat waiting to come back here and really see everything full go. We usually talk about the offensive line being a brotherhood. I mean, you guys are a very special group of people. 
You get blamed for most of the things. You don't get credit for a lot of the good things. <laughs> what is it like to actually have your brother being a part of that core group with you playing? I just, I can't imagine playing at such a high level with one of my siblings. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm super thankful for it. It's one of my favorite things in the world. I mean, that guy's awesome. He's, he's always over at my house. He's always hanging out. It's, it's funny because he is my brother and I grew up with him and, but I don't really think about it like that because we're all so close in this whole line. It's, it's really amazing. He's just another one of the guys. It's just kind of awesome to have that guy to go home with and kind of just be with all the time. And I can kind of show him my experiences and how maybe I could help him. I mean, it's really awesome. That guy's awesome. And just our group, this whole line is just the tightest group that I want to say we have to be the tightest in the country. Everyone's always together. Mm. I mean, I see these guys every day. If, we're not at the stadium together, you know, we're at someone's house together, we're at some restaurant together. It's awesome. I mean, super, super close-knit group. And I think that's really helped this transition with the coaching staff is just everyone's in it together. Being one of the leaders on this team, having a brother on the team, I imagine you're probably one of the guys that the coaching staff likes to have host recruits when they do come into town. So I'm curious, where do you like to take the recruits when you're hosting them? And how does it work with you and your brother getting those guys and trying to make sure that they understand Wisconsin is the best program in the country and it's the place for them? Yeah, I have hosted quite a few visits in my time. I mean, I'm just so close and I've been around Madison my whole life. And the first thing I like to do is, you know, after we're at that dinner with them, the coaches and their families, then we get them and they'll take them straight to State Street and just walk them down the State Street and show them, right, here it is, guys. Like, this is kind of the heart and soul. Like, if you want to have a good time, if you're looking for some food, if you're looking to get do anything, really, I mean, this is where you're going to come. Then maybe walk down Langdon a little bit and show them the lake. And then, you know, if they see something that they want to explore, somewhere's got a lot of people partying it up, they want to go check it out, be like, yeah, man, let's go check it out. Like, I'll show you. It's, it's awesome. State Street, it makes my job so easy. Everything's in one big center, and all the experiences in the world feels like. Now, going back to State Street, Joe and I talked a little bit about when we were dating. He took me on elaborate dinners, and that's not true. <laughs> he would wait to see what my voucher All was the for, the, for, you, for the day. And then when I, would, when I would call him and say that my voucher, then he was like, yes, that's where we're going. What is your favorite place when you see the vouchers? Where is your go-to spot? Well, it used to be a Potbelly right on State Street there. I mean, we go oh, there every pot day. Bells. You could get two sandwiches for a $12 voucher oh, back yeah. in the day, man. One for me, one for my date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it's, that place. Couldn't awesome. get any extra peppers, though. Actually, I think just this last season, Sophie, our nutritionist, she got Metcalves, the grocery store down in Hilldale, on oh. our voucher. And I've never been in there oh. until we got the voucher on that. And that place is incredible. I mean, the deli in there with all the different kinds of meats. I mean, we'll go in there with our money and just pool it and get a bunch of all sorts of weird exotic food and try to cook it up. I mean, we tried oysters the other day. Those didn't turn out too well. <laughs> oh. Tried cooking some oh, ribs. I can't oh. imagine cooking oysters in my, <laughs> yeah. my dorm room. Ouch. Nope, nope, nope. Oysters that didn't turn out. No thanks. I'm not good with that. <laughs> didn't eat them. Had, those had to go to the trash. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I like Metcalf. It's super nice. Lots of options. Your dad was a heralded Badger offensive lineman. He actually got drafted in 1989, I think, to the Cardinals. So... I've got my own son who's six years old, and he's really getting into football. He loves the game. And one thing that I'm concerned with is that people are always going to measure his football career up to what I did, and it's going to give him this pressure that he's going to always feel like he has to live up to like whatever anybody else's expectations are. I'm curious, from your perspective, did you ever feel that pressure being that your dad was a great offensive lineman when you were growing up, especially growing up in the Madison area? Maybe not so much pressure. I, I definitely like... My path was very clear to me. 
I mean, my dad made it even in recruiting. I mean, everyone always thought like, oh, like, did your dad make you go to UW? But it couldn't be further from the truth. I remember when I got offered, I wanted to commit right mm-hmm. away. But my dad was very, he's like, oh, just, just slow down there. But yeah, I mean, it's not so much pressure. It's just more of kind of a, in fact, I kind of feel like it kind of gives me a sense of confidence because I know if, if my dad could do it, I know that somewhere that's that's in me and I'm able to do it. So all I've got to do is just, you know, mm-hmm. stay on the right track and my dad will help me out and listen to him, listen to my coaches and just stay on the path that I've been told to be on by people who've already done it, like my dad. Of course, that pressure's there sometimes, but I wouldn't say it's something that I think about very often. I'm very thankful to have a dad that played here and was successful here, and he really helps me out with it. But I wouldn't say that that pressure is too much on my mind ever. I'd say there's probably a lot of pressure on your mom on game days, because thinking of having two, <laughs> two children on the same team, what is the jersey selection like for her? Who does she choose? Her favorite son that week, the one that checked in? Who does she decide to, to rep that week? We were actually talking about this, and since she doesn't want to pick one jersey number to wear, she'll uh, <laughs> she'll just dress up in some, uh, she's got all sorts of crazy Badger-themed outfits, like some kind of big red fur jacket or something like that. And uh, Yeah, that oh, sounds very classic. familiar in our household. I think yeah. my mom can uh, let your mom borrow hers oh, if boy. she ever needs an extra one. Yeah, very warm cool. red fur jackets. <laughs> not easy to find, but when you have one, it's definitely not worth anything in the resale market. Not a hot market for a red fur coat. Nope, not, not here. It's always great having family support, especially somebody that's right down the street. And growing up in Stoughton, Wisconsin, you obviously know the Madison area really well. Is there a spot on campus that when you close your eyes and you're like, yeah, that's my favorite spot, it just really pops into your mind? I'm going to have to say Potbelly again. I'm going to have to say Potbelly again, just kind of that, uh, oh, yeah, that wow. State Street area. I mean, I tell you what, we went to Potbelly daily, just as the whole, whole group <laughs> in the dorms especially. I mean, we had a fleet of mopeds. I'm talking like at least eight guys on their mopeds and just... <laughs> Flying down, parking right on that little hill, you know, right by Potbelly. Uh-huh. And I mean, we just sitting there for hours at a time, get hungry again, go up and order a shake or, you know, some mac and cheese, another sandwich and just hang out there and go back to the dorm. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in that Potbelly building. I just have to say, this is the most offensive lineman answer I think we could have gotten <laughs> from anybody is... Potbellies for hours, hours and hours yeah. of potbelly time. I'm wondering what the millions of dollars check looks like from potbellies for NIL money. For you mentioning yeah, right. potbellies <laughs> at least seven times yeah. on this podcast. He's today. wearing a potbellies hat, I think. That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> yes, you can't tell exactly because he's up north <laughs> doing some snowmobiling, enjoying the winter in Wisconsin. But what are some of your favorite things about just going to school at Madison and being close to so many amazing things that you learned about growing up in this area? Well, I think it's just the city itself. I love the city. I mean, I've I've been to other cities, just, you know, going on vacation or away games or bowl games, that kind of thing. But I've talked to other people that play for different schools and my buddies from home that go to college in different cities, but nothing compares to Madison, in my opinion. I mean, you got the lakes right there. The capital is just gorgeous. I mean, when I'm driving into town from home, I can see the capital off in the distance. I mean, it's coming in on John Nolan right there too. It's just, I mean, it's beautiful. There's there's nowhere else I'd rather be. You know, sometimes it gets really cold. Sometimes it gets really hot, but I wouldn't want it any other way. I mean, it's just mm. a city full of amazing people. There's amazing, just amazing views, like especially up on Observatory Drive. I mean, I mean if you're ever feeling down, you just mm. go up there and just kind of park your truck and look out there. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, sometimes I can't believe that I get to live in the city and play football here for this college. It's, it's awesome. I'm very thankful to be here. 
Now, speaking of the extreme weathers, what would you rather play in? 90 degrees at the end of August or 25 degrees and snowing in November? 25 degrees, no doubt. No doubt. 100%. A true offensive lineman. True and true. Yeah, 100%. I mean, some of those fall camp practices on the grass out there when it's humid, in my opinion, I'd rather play when it's negative 30, no sleeves on, than and just feeling like you're about to melt. I mean, I, I sweat a bunch, so you get all sweaty and the sweat squishing up out of your cleats during the camp practices. It's, <laughs> I'd rather be cold. I'd rather be colder than than super hot. That's for sure. When your Badger football career is all said and done, is there a memory that you think is going to stick out, and maybe possibly a memory that is yet to come? I mean, just looking back on it, I'd say the time with the guys, just time spent in that old line room, mm-hmm. waiting for the coach to come in there for meetings. Everyone's in there a couple minutes early, and you get the good five minutes to just chit chat and talking back and forth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's really what it is for me. I think just I could say all sorts of different games, like I mean, beating Iowa last year, mm-hmm. playing next to Tanner Borlini, my roommate this year. I mean, I could say all those things that people would expect, but I think it really is just kind of getting to do it with your best friends, and I'll forever remember that. I mean, just getting to see those guys every day. It's, it's really it truly is awesome. I'll let you go on this one, and we really appreciate you being on the show today. But when things are all said and done, what do you want to accomplish in your last few years as a Badger? I want to win a Big Ten championship. I think Coach Fickle's the man. I think this team is extremely talented. And, um, I mean, I think all all we have to do is just kind of put it together here. And I really want to win that Big Ten championship. And I I think that's something we can definitely do. So that's definitely, definitely my goal. Well, you're not the only person on this podcast that's excited to hear that. And we also believe that Coach Fickle has this program headed in the right direction, building an unbelievable culture. So, Jack Nelson, thanks for being on the Badger Bigs podcast. It was truly our pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jack. And now we have the privilege of being joined by the fantastic Dr. Tara Clack-Bell. You may have seen her on Bravo's 100 Days of Summer, but what you may not know is that before she became a veterinarian, Tara used to be a pole vaulter for the Badgers. We're excited to talk to her about her days in Madison, her passion for working with animals and more. So don't forget, if you want to get involved, you can learn more about helping to support Badger student-athletes at thevarsitycollective.com. And now joining us on the Badger Bigs podcast is Dr. Tara Clack-Bell. Tara was a former UW Badger track star for Wisconsin. Tara, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And now, Tara, we talked a little bit before the show. I wanted to talk about how you got into track because originally you were going to walk on to Wisconsin for a totally different program. Yeah, so... In high school, I was actually a better swimmer than a track and field athlete. So my senior year, I was going to walk on the swim team. I met with the coaches at UW. I was going to walk on, and then I had a pretty decent senior year of track. And my high school coach was like, hey, I was kind of one of those jack-of-all-trades, master of nuns. So I was okay at like hurdles, high jump, a couple of different events, four by four, but not great at anything. So he was like, you know, I think you could really walk on the track and field team as a heptathlete. So until about the end of my track and field season, senior year, my whole plan was to walk on as a swimmer. Mm. So did you pole vault in high school? Did you try it in high school? So we did not actually have it at my high school. Back then, it had just, 
begun in NCAA sport when I was in at Wisconsin. So no, I was a hurdler, high jumper, and um, a four by four runner. So I'd never tried pole vault. How was that conversation the first time they showed you where you were going to jump and hurdle yourself <laughs> through the air? I mean, were you like, absolutely not? I, I thank you so much for the opportunity, but I will be walking away from this. Do you guys remember Cool Runnings? Uh, do you <laughs> yes. remember in the yes. beginning of Cool Runnings when John Candy's showing him what like bobsled is? And I'm it's all the crashes and the people are dying. <laughs> and, and when the lights come on, there's like one person left. Was that your experience <laughs> yes. when the intro pole vault to you? 100%, yes. The crazy thing about it is it was my idea. So I was a athlete for two years, my third year at UW. I was like, I just, I was not a very good heptathlete. I didn't feel like I was going to ever be a really good heptathlete. And I had two good friends who were pole vaulters. I'm like, I just feel like that's my niche. Upper body strength. I had that from swimming. I did gymnastics and dance growing up. So I feel like I was flexible, kind of new body awareness. So I actually asked my coach, I'm like, hey, can I just try this? And she's like, you know, we've invested two years in heptathlete. Like, I don't think it's really smart to start over as a junior with a brand new event you've never tried. So I was like, no, I get that. I get that. So that summer, I asked some of the male decathletes, I'm like, can you just show me how to vault? Just show me it. I'll just try it for fun and see what happens. So that summer before my junior year, some of the guys, decathletes, showed me. I was very blessed that I picked up on it. Now, I definitely had those, like, when you fall into the standards and you fall back on the track. I mean, I definitely had lows where being like, what am I thinking? Like, what am I thinking? But then by the end of the summer, I was vaulting pretty high and my coaches called them out. They came out to the track and they're like, you're a pole vaulter. <laughs> and it was like, just like that. Can you let everybody at home who doesn't know the history of your pole vaulting career, how things ended up at Wisconsin for you, and then what was your decision after you graduated about trying to continue pole vaulting, potentially in the Olympics? I only got to do pole vault for three years in college, and I really mm. wish I would have started younger because I it would have been fun to see how far I could have gone. My senior year of college, I got second in the Big Tens, so I was pretty excited. There was a girl from Purdue that was just phenomenal, so I was mm. very pleased with second place. And then I had a fifth year. I had had a, a injury the previous year. So indoor, I didn't have a season, but I had an outdoor year my fifth year. And that was in 2003. And that's when I won the Big Ten. So it was kind of when I had all my PRs. I just peaked that year, made it to NCAAs. I think I was about uh, 16th at NCAAs. And then I had the pleasure of going to the USATF track meet, which is kind of a combination of college and professional. And I tied for, I think, 15th there. So the next year, so I was, I was pleased. It was a great year. And I kind of felt like I was, you know, I only had three years to do this. So I kind of wanted one more year to see what would happen. And at the time I was applying for vet school. So I had some classes to take anyway. So I was going to be sticking around, taking some prereqs for vet school. So what happened is talk to the coaches. And I think my PR was 13, five and a half. And if you've got 14 feet, you got to go to Olympic trials. So I talked about the men's and the women's coach and they're like, give it a, Try it a year. You're back for school anyway. You're taking a few classes. So I never got the 14-foot mark, but I did train in 2004, just hoping to get to Olympic trials. So that was another fun year. I think not being on the actual team, I was competing independently. That was hard for me because the team aspect is so important Mm -hmm. and having the camaraderie and being part of the UW Badgers. And I think I just wasn't as committed as I was the years when I was actually on the team and, you know, had the support and the camaraderie of all the all the teammates. Was going to practice just so much fun every single day. It was seeing your best friends and working out with people that you would be working out with anyways. 
the track and field program, I think, is so amazing in the fact that you have an indoor and outdoor season. So you've got indoor, and then, you know, once you get outdoor, the men and, and women were combined at the time. Now they might be con- combined the whole time, but it was so fun. You're doing workouts, but it's your best friends. Again, like you said, you'd work out with anyway. You got to travel all around the country. We actually went to Europe one summer. There was about 12 or 14 of us that went to Europe for a few weeks and competed. So it was the best experience of my life. I made some of my best friends, which as you know, are still my best friends there. And I wouldn't take anything back for anything. I mean, you know, it was the very hard workouts. You know, there's stressful times, obviously, during competition. But for the most part, it was just just working out with your friends and, and doing your best. Are there any memories that really stick out in your mind when you kind of reflect back on your time as a Badger track athlete? You know, some of the best memories are even like in the weight room, in the training room, just the everyday life. I mean, we we had such an amazing experience where, like you said, we got to work out with our best friends, traveling. We went to California all the time. Mm. And I was very blessed that the pull vault was on a Friday night. So I always <laughs> competed Friday. And then I had Saturday, Sunday to do literally That's nothing awesome. but just sit and watch compared to my heptathlete days, which were, you know, was a two-day thing. So I can't think of one memory in particular, but I think it's just literally some of my best friends right now. Most of my best friends are from those days, from my college track days and my UW days. And just the amount you get to travel and things you never would have gotten to do if you weren't on an athletic program. Now, the Badger community is so close-knit, and you ended up actually marrying a Badger, a football player, Mark Bell, but you didn't meet him on campus you met him in Chicago later. Was it at a Badger event? So that is, again, a very nice thing about being you know, a UW graduate, but in the athletic department in general, in that athletic world, is that exactly, I knew of him in college. He was a little younger than me, so I always joke like I didn't go shopping off the freshman rack when I was like older, so <laughs> no, I didn't know him in college, but he may have known me. I was, I'm sure, I'm sure he knew you. Oh, I was sure. a few years older. People know me. Older. People I was <laughs> I was a few years older, so, you know, you don't usually go looking at the younger guys. So fast forward, my goodness, probably like eight or nine years, maybe 10 years, and we're in Chicago, and I'm with a former track college athlete, Courtney Ness, one of my, still one of my best friends, and we had a charity event called the Candy Cane Ball, and he was giving a speech, and so we exchanged numbers, and um, the rest is history. The networking is, is so huge with UW, and especially within that athletic group, networking, but also just... Everyone knows someone. So even now going back to tailgates and things like that, or even our wedding, like there were so many football players as groomsmen and track girls and everyone knew each other. And we all had stories from college. So it's, it's really fun being in that elite group of college athletes. But yeah, that's how I, that's how I met him. Kids, animals have always been a big part of your life. Now, you wrote a children's book a few years ago. So in addition to being a doctor and being a full-time mom, you had a little bit of free time. You're like, oh, why don't I just write a book? Can you tell us what went into writing that book and give us a little bit of flavor around what it's like to write a children's book? Well, so I have three kids, so I have some, obviously, some background. But um, I've always been really good at rhyming, which doesn't really ever come in handy, hmm. except for if you're like... <laughs> rap battles? Lip, lip singing, rap battles. lip singing. <laughs> if we're ever in a rap battle, I give up right away. <laughs> like Bachelorette, like I was like <laughs> funny poems, whatever. I was always known for rhyming, right? So didn't really come in handy until now. And I think it was like two summers ago, I was like playing around with some lyrics of all the, it was just sarcastic parenting book of all the crazy kind of antics your kids pull on you. And I ended up just keep going and I was just, it flowed like wine, right? Because my kids, like all these scenarios my kids did. So it was like actually super easy to write. <laughs> and I wrote this Henry, whatever stands a poem. And I was like, this is actually pretty funny. And actually like, 
is very applicable to all parents of toddlers and young kids. So yeah, I found like a independent publishing company. It's called I Love Your Stinky Toes. It's on sale on Amazon and stuff. And then I'm also a veterinarian, so I just recently wrote like a dog one, which kind of oh. has a similar concept, you know, with puppies doing all these crazy things. So the first book, I Love Your Stinky Toes, kind of the end theme is, you know, kids do all these crazy things. They drive you nuts, but the moral of the story is they're your kids, so you love them no matter what. Now, when you take your crazy bell children to... Feral colony. Feral colony of children, <laughs> correct, yes. When you take them onto campus, where is their favorite spot to go to? And is it the same as what your favorite spot was when you were a Badger? When we go to campus, it's almost always for a Badger game. So they love, I mean, they love Camp Randall. They're not old enough. I haven't taken them to any, a lot of the other places. You know, we've been to the Kohl Center and things like that. But they just, they love Camp Randall. When you walk in and the vibe, particularly my seven-year-old son who loves playing football, just loves the Badgers. You know, we love basketball. We love, obviously, football. So I think Camp Randall will be our number one place. Was that your favorite place on campus when you were when you were there? If you're not counting Wando's and KK, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can say those. That's a lot. There, there's no rules or restrictions here on the Badger Bigs podcast. <laughs> then I'd have to say Wando's and KK. Absolutely. Certainly the outdoor track, because I have to say that. I think, yeah, those two bars were kind of our stomping ground. When you drive past Elver, do you still get the chills from... and? Just have uh, like, like a nausea. ghost pains from running that? No, not, not even just chills, like literally nausea. <laughs> like those eight weeks were the hardest. It was every Wednesday. It was the hardest workout. I mean, blue would be coming out of every end of every person because they were so nervous and <laughs> it was so hard. I'd have to say my least favorite place is Elver. Yeah, my most favorite is Camp Randall. It is kind of haunting when you drive by Elver and you see that path just beaten into the side of the hill and you just oh. know the tears and the sweat that were left on that hill. It's it's very daunting. It is. It's very daunting. And especially coming in as a walk-on. My, my freshman year, I was a walk-on, right? So coming in as a walk-on and trying to prove yourself, it's kind of like that Rudy mentality where you're working your butt off. So, I mean, it was a very tough first couple of years just trying to make myself a place on a team. And then, like I said, when I Switched to pole vault, it got more comfortable. And by my last couple years, I was captain, so I could be like, ah, I can just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're good. We're good <laughs> Yeah, <here>. we're good. <laughs> so you grew up just on the north side of Madison. Was there ever any conversation or consideration to going somewhere else besides Wisconsin? Growing up, yes. I was 25 minutes from campus. Growing up in DeForest or, you know, Windsor, right there, I think it definitely played a role. I grew up going to Badger games, whether it was football or basketball or or whatever. So I always grew up as a hardcore Badger fan. My dad was a Badger. And then my sister, who is two years older than me, went to UW. You know, I did apply to a few schools for swimming because at the time that was kind of going to be my track. But in my heart, I always wanted to be a Badger. I never knew I was going to play a sport there until the very end. But it was always something, especially when my sister went there, it was a no-brainer. Like visiting her, going to games, like just growing up with that. It's just, you can't replace that experience. You live just down the street now. Between Madison and Milwaukee, how often are you getting back to campus in Madison? And what's the feeling like when it is game day and you know you're going to meet some of your Badger buddies from your days in school and you're finally getting back onto campus? Exactly. We just moved from Illinois about a year ago and best decision of our lives for our family, but Mark and I, my husband and I are particularly excited because we're closer to Wisconsin, closer to Madison. I definitely make it back a lot more now. It's an easy hour drive and I do get the goosebumps, the chills every time I walk on campus. UW is my happy place. Some of my best memories I have are from that campus and that group. And we do a lot of tailgates, you know, Tito's tailgate in particular, where 
we get a good alumni coming back and reminisce about old stories. So now I, I look forward to those tailgates more than anything because it's a time to catch up with my girlfriends, catch up with old teammates, old colleagues, and relive the old glory days for a bit. So it's awesome having you on the show, Tara. You're a real renaissance woman. <laughs> Seems like you've done it all, right? Big 10 champion in the pole vault. You could have been world record holder in swimming, veterinarian, <laughs> soon to be mother of four. Now you're recently moved back to Wisconsin as a badger, but you're also one of Bravo's biggest stars of I all time on the show, yes. 100 Days of Summer. So there's probably some people out there that for some reason, did not watch the Big Ten Championships on television at the time, but remember seeing you on the Bravo show 100 Days of Summer. So what was that experience like? <laughs> I can't even watch it without cringing. I mean, at the time I was single, so I would move to Chicago, and one of our friends, she knew the casting company, and they're like, hey, we're looking for groups of young girls. It's going to be like a bachelorette single show in Chicago, like with professionals, like doctors and whatever. But I mean, it's Bravo, so let's take it with a grain of salt. So <laughs> I, um, I'm like, I'll audition. This is fun, whatever. I'm single. I auditioned, and then it kind of just kept coming. They kept like having second and third audition, and I ended up getting picked. And at the time, I was with Mark, my current husband. He's like, "Do not do this. Do not do this." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "This is not going to be. This is not going to end well." Because of course, everyone kind of has their character. So you know, I look back, and it was fun. I mean, my kind of niche they played me as was like the desperate 30-year-old who wanted to get married, <laughs> which there's always some truth in everything. <laughs> but I was like, it could have been a lot worse, right? It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. And so, you know, we did it. It was fun. I mean, one time my dad had it recorded and I, I turned it on and my kids saw it, you know, just that like one little snip and they're like, I'm on TV. You're a celebrity. So unlike you, Joe, I'm not on TV every other day. <laughs> so this is my only claim to fame where my kids actually think I was cool at some point, but it was fun at the time. Because it is so hard to like hear yourself or watch yourself on TV, even if you've been an athlete on the highest level, like that's a different space. That's a different world that you're not used to living in. And I think you have to get over the same mental hurdles in the media world that you did when you were a kid playing youth sports and like playing in front of a crowd, playing yeah. in front of your parents, playing in front of your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Like there are such emotional things that are wrapped up and it takes a big person. And I think it's big life moments to be able to like kind of get over those hurdles. So I'm sure the time on Bravo was one of the biggest moments in your life as well. So that's no surprise. Now that we know that Tara is such a good rhymer, I'm so disappointed in ourselves that we didn't ask her to create a rhyme for this episode of the podcast. I feel like maybe we should give her like five to 10 minutes and reconvene <laughs> and get an impromptu Badger Biggs, either rap or Badger Biggs poem soliloquy, whatever you would like. Perfect. I'll post one on your website. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, you work you. on that. In your spare time. We don't have a website. From, from <laughs> growing, growing a child, Instagram being a doctor page. and an author. Yes, we, we <laughs> would love go. for you to so. create a rap for us. Consider it done. Well, yes. Dr. Tara Clackbell, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. It's been really great having you on the Badger Big <laughs> podcast to be able to catch up with a true Badger Big. So thank you for coming on the show with us. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you, Tara. We love you. Love you too. I want to say a big thank you to Jack and Tara for joining us on the show today. And thanks to all of you for listening to Badger Biggs, presented by the Varsity Collective. I'm Joe Thomas. And I'm Annie Thomas. And remember to stay tuned for the next episode. And in the meantime, learn how you can get involved with the Varsity Collective and support Badger student-athletes at thevarsitycollective.com. And to stay in the loop on the latest updates, make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. 
We'll see you next time.